You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. great to be with you guys. My name is Riz, the pastor here at Reality Honolulu. If I have not yet met you, just grateful that you would join us here. And uh, happy Thanksgiving weekend. Hope you guys had a blessed time with family and friends, reflecting on all that God has done for us in our lives and all the blessings we have. Um, But thank you guys for being here. And after announcements, what we like to do is we like to jump into the Word of God and hear what it says for our lives. And so let me go ahead and pray for our time, and then um, we'll get into it. God, we thank you for this community. We thank you for this church, Reality Honolulu, this local expression of your global church. God, we thank you for each member, each family, each kid, each youth. We're grateful for the space that you've provided for us to to meet in. We're thankful for what you're doing in our midst. And this morning, as we just spend the next, you know, 30 or so minutes in your word, God, we pray that all our attention be fixed upon your truths and your character and your goodness, and that it would inform us on how we are to live our lives for those of us in this room that are followers of Jesus. God, we want to learn, we want to grow, we want to become more like you. Um, By definition, as a Christian, as a disciple, we are students, we are learners of what it means to follow the person of Jesus. And so teach us this morning, Holy Spirit, through your word. Um, We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were with us last week, uh, we studied just the first verse of Philippians chapter 3. And if you've been with us the last... Several months, you know that we've been in this study looking at the book of Philippians. This letter that the Apostle Paul writes to this church that he helped start in the city of Philippi. And last week, we're going pretty slow because like last week was one verse we just looked at. And in particular, in our time together last week, the theme that we talked about was joy. And the ability to live out rejoicing in the Lord. Because that's what Paul did. He, in the middle of his letter, he, he says a lot of things. But he said, dear brothers and sisters, whatever you do, rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens, whatever circumstances you come about, rejoice in the Lord. And we talked about that sometimes the idea of being joyful or being filled with joy or rejoicing is kind of an elusive concept to actually obtain. Right, something that's actually hard to live out in this day and age because we just don't, we wouldn't describe ourselves maybe in that way. or We wouldn't describe humanity in that way. A lot of our world is not filled with joy. It's actually filled with anxiety and stress and fear and pain and heartbreak, right? Joy is not on the list. It's like this elusive thing that we all want and we all want to walk in and God tells us we should, but how do we actually walk Enjoy despite anything else that happens in this world. And so that was last week, right? So go back and listen to that. I'm not going to like totally regurgitate the whole thing, but it was this incredible time where we, we, we kind of w- figured out what it, would, what it would mean to walk in joy. But instead of jumping right back into Philippians this morning, uh, in light of really celebrating Thanksgiving, I feel like it's only right that we also talk about gratitude. 
Because gratitude, like joy, can be elusive and rare to actually live out. We like to say that we're like grateful every day for all that we have, despite what we have. But like joy, I think if we're honest, it's like this thing that we all so desperately want to be grateful for everything we have. But so often we know how life really goes is we're so dictated by if life is good or bad. Right? Our gratefulness and joy is like on a roller coaster of emotions depending on how our day is going, how the season is going, how our relationships are going. Because, right, once again, our current world that we live in, especially now more than ever, like the whole world is at our fingertips, right? This is, this is totally a new concept. A lot of us in this room grew up with that happening, but this is a very new concept and easier than ever... Right? I mean, you could, like, easily see the whole world on multiple apps at any hour of the day. Just, right? And it's really easy. Just one finger. Scroll. Like, rabbit holes of, like, hours, right, of time. And, in, and what's it's easier than ever, instead of being grateful for what we have, what God's given us and how God's made us, what happens? Well, it's super easy to fall into comparison, envy, right? Fall in unmet expectations of what we hoped life would be like at a certain age and everyone else on Instagram or TikTok or whatever you look at, everyone else's life is happening, mine's not, right? We wish for other things. We wish our bodies were different or wish we had more stuff or we wish our finances were different, right? More than ever, it's we see what everybody's doing, and right, the trap is, is that what we see is what actually is happening, which is not true. <laughs> right, that's, everybody knows that, right? Facebook or Instagram, they're just showing the good parts, the, the, how they can get the likes and the, the shares, right? It's not real. But nonetheless, we live in a world that it's just, it's all of these things, all the things that we fill our, our, our minds and hearts with, the things we read, the things we see, if we're not careful, can smother and extinguish like whatever gratitude or thankfulness we do have. Like it can, because again, like it's real easy to just go, oh, I wish I had that. The grass is always greener or like this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden the things that we do have and the God, things that God has given us and the unique special people that God's made all of us just get smothered and extinguished out because it's like we see all this other stuff. Gratitude is unfortunately this elusive lost art. And I don't, but I don't think it's a coincidence that the Bible talks all about thankfulness and gratitude because of this reason. Gratitude like joy, thankfulness like joy, is something that is so easy to say, but so, so very difficult to walk out. But what we see in Scripture, if you just read the Bible, cover to cover, all, all the books, all the letters, all these historical narratives, over and over, not only is the Bible calling followers of Jesus to, to, to a life that is full of gratitude, right, for who God is and who we are in Christ and to take everything we have as a gift from him. 
But what we also see in Scripture that more often than not, even the most seasoned, like the most holy, you could say, saints in Scripture, still struggle, struggle excuse me, immensely in walking in gratitude. Right? I mean, and what I mean by that is like a gratitude that to God in spite of temporal circumstances that we encounter. It's not just a us thing, like a 21st century thing that we struggle. Like, this is humanity. We are surrounded by stuff that gets our eyes and focus off of who God is and who we're made in his image and all these good things. And even the most seasoned, holy, like, you've been a Christian forever, you, you struggle. We all struggle with walking in a deep sense of gratitude regardless of what happens in our life. And that's why much of the writers of Scripture encourage and charge believers, like you and I this morning, to walk in gratitude. Right? We all need, like, correction and reminders to live like this. Because again, like I said, it's easier than ever to live a very, like, discontent, unhappy, like, envy, covetous, like, not grateful life. You don't even mean to, and it's just really hard to live in that sense of gratitude. And not only are we supposed to be thankful for, like, what we have, but we're to to live in light of who God is and what he's done for us. And what's unique is, like, right, we've been hearing from Paul the Apostle. And it's this letter that he's writing to this church in Philippi. But also there's, like, a dozen other letters that we have of his in the New Testament. And he would do this often. He would write of this idea of gratitude because he knew that it was elusive and he knew, just like himself, he was aware of the pitfalls of humanity um, and we're going to look at another letter. Just, just a couple verses of another letter. And this is a letter that he writes to a different group of Christians in a different city, the city of Thessalonica. So Philippi and Thessalonica are about 100 miles apart geographically on a map, both in modern-day Greece. Again, Paul, you know, in our letter of Philippians, he's in Rome. He's writing these letters all over to these churches that he's helped plant and pioneer. And so... You know, he writes a letter to the, to the church in Philippi. And we have two letters, First and Second Thessalonians. And these letters we have in the New Testament. And again, Paul is trying to communicate really important ideas to these, this group of people. And in this first letter that we have, in chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, this is, Paul, this is what Paul says to Christians. So insert us as the recipients. He says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Church, do you see this? In light of like last week and this week, what have we been talking about? Rejoicing last week. Paul just said that in a different letter to a different people. This is a different letter to a different people. And what does he say? Rejoice always. And then he says, pray continually. Which, man, the church needs more of across the board. That's a whole nother sermon, a whole nother sermon series. And then Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. 
want to take some liberty for a second and just paraphrase what Paul is saying here to this church in this letter. But again, there's overarching themes in all his letters. These three things, rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks in all circumstances are the three, some of the three most important things outside of loving God and loving others. Love God, love others. Church, this is what we're supposed to do. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. My paraphrase is Paul's trying to communicate what's most important to what Christians are supposed to live like. These are the most important, but I would say the hardest things to actually do. Like, love God and love others, right? Jesus said that. What are the two greatest commandments? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, after that, what's the way of the Christian? What's the way of the believer? What is a follower of Jesus supposed to do, and what is their life supposed to look like? Rejoice. Oh, sorry. Can I go back to that slide real quick? Rejoice always to pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. And then, look what he says. For this is God's will for us. That little semicolon, like, attachment is a pretty huge deal. Paul's like, hey, it's not only me, like, as this apostle writing you this letter saying, guys, just, like, rejoice and pray and give thanks. He goes, semicolon, for this is God's will for you. Been, I've been a pastor long enough to hear a lot of people be like, I just don't know what God's will is for me. I'm just, just concentrate on loving God, loving others, rejoicing always, praying continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. You all have plenty on your hands. Like all the details were sorted out, but that's plenty to actually like walk it out and pray it in and live it out. You know what I mean? But again, I love it because Paul, again, he introduces really deep theological truths, but he makes it really practical. Like it's not like we have to guess on what, he's getting to or what God's getting to. But, so this idea here of giving thanks in all circumstances is what we're going to concentrate on today. But I think it's just interesting that once again he talks about rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. But giving thanks isn't only just saying a few things we're thankful for like a couple times a year. It starts there, absolutely. It starts on like meditating and dwelling on what you're thankful for and then Thanking God for those things, like it starts there. And that's a part of it. But this idea of giving thanks in all circumstances involves, as we can guess, a deep heart and mind transformation that really can only be done by God. Because, like, we can all agree on this, I think. It's really easy to praise God when things are good. Really easy, right? Baby slept through the night. Praise God. Got the job promotion that you wanted. Praise the Lord. Did well on that quiz in school this week. Thank you, God. You know, you're at the life stage. You wanted to be at your age. Thank you, God. I'm grateful. You're healthy. You're financially stable, right? These are like, it would be weird if you weren't grateful if those things happened. But that's, the e- that's easy. That's kind of natural. But think of the flip side. How hard is it to thank God when stuff isn't happening? 
right? How hard is it to actually be grateful in the loss, the disappointment, the letdown, that things aren't working, things aren't happening, right? Because if you think about it, rejoicing always. Easy to rejoice in the good stuff. Really hard to rejoice when things are not good. Like that is like counterintuitive to everything. Pray continually. You know when most people pray? This is, this is just like a humanity thing. When things are bad. Not always when like just things are good and things are going well. Like right? We don't need God as much. So maybe we don't pray as much. Right? See that? Giving thanks in all circumstances. That is so, so, so hard to do. Because again, it's really great, easy to uh, be grateful when life is good and it's all working how we planned. But honestly, when I read this, verse 18, I'm like, this is a superpower that, is tr- that, that you can truly and equally thank God for who he is when things are falling apart. Things are falling apart. This is not working. I didn't get the job. I didn't do the quiz. I'm not where I'm at. Like, you, you fill in the blanks of what is not happening in life because, you, you know, we all have it. But this is the depths of what God wants to get us to as Christians. This is the character and people God wants to make us into. Hear this, that despite what temporal highs and lows we experience in life, that we will stay steadfast with our connection to God in prayer to rejoice in who the Lord is always and give thanks to him because he's good in all circumstances. Like that's what the Bible and the Holy Spirit and God's word is like calling us into. It isn't this, this phony like, I'm thankful, I have my list of what I'm thankful for. It's a start. But these are the kind of people that God wants to make believers into is that a people that go, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. We say it. We grew up saying it in church, maybe. But do we say it in the highs and the lows? Right? That is, that is this, like, elusive gratefulness that I think we're talking about this morning. Again, Paul wouldn't be the only time in Philippians. It wouldn't be the only time in Thess- uh, Thessalonians that he would say this. Paul would go on in another letter to another group of believers, this time in Colossae. Again, this is about 900 miles, just kind of southeast from, from Thessalonica, modern-day Turkey. Paul says this. Again, just, just one verse, but I just want to highlight it for a second. This is what he said this group of believers in that city. He said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. See, why I brought this up, is that it's not us trying to be more grateful and like summon some kind of more willpower. Like I heard this sermon and I'm just going to like summon gratefulness. I'm just going to try to be grateful more. That's not quite it. It It doesn't really work like that. It's not like a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of idea. Jesus has got to rule our hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. I think it's all tied in there. I think thankfulness comes from like a surrendered heart. I think it's gotta, it's gotta come, it, it's gotta become like, like Jesus and his kingdom 
and who he is has got to become more important than the stuff in this world. Like it just has to be. Or else, right, we're always just be like, my world's not going well. Well, you're like, what do you hold most valuable? If it's God and his word and his kingdom and honoring him, well, then everything else is going to be secondary. Right? We've got to value him above everything else. And when we do that, I'm telling you right now, it's like water and sun to the seed of gratitude in our lives. When you go, God, my life is no longer my own, it's yours. You're the most important thing. You're what I value most. You know what that does to gratitude? It just pours water and sunlight and it grows the seed of gratitude. It really does. Again, this isn't just a, a New Testament idea. I'm using a lot of Paul. I'm using a lot of New Testament here. But, I mean, take, for example, Psalms, the book of Psalms. Right? Psalms is, is rich. With, with songs and actually poems and these declared truths that the people of God are to be filled with gratitude. And it's not because of the amount of earthly treasure or blessings that each of them have. It's not because they're like a blessed people and they have a, a abundance and they're not without. It's actually because of their perfect, loving, gracious, and holy God their creator and savior God that's perfect and gracious and holy and loving and merciful, that is what brings them gratitude. Let me just read a few verses. Like, Psalm has like 150 chapters, so you should read that later. But I'm going to read like three verses from three chapters. Here's one from Psalm 7, 17. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord most high. The psalmist here declares that I'm going to give thanks, not because of like some stuff that I have, but because of who God is. I'm going to be grateful. Psalm 90, 95, 1 through 7. Again, this is like a prompting to corporate worship here. It says this, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depth of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him for he made it. He formed, his hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is God and we are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. Do you see what the psalmist does here? Does he say, I praise God for the job I got, for the family I have, for the riches I have? No. All the attention was given to the creator God, the Savior. All of the gratitude that was coming from the psalmist here was from who God was and what he did. Right? That's how he became grateful. One more, Psalm 106.1. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he's good, and his love endures forever. Right? So, so gratitude should be something we have and we get by, I'm going to say three things. Number one is knowing God and who he is. 
Number two is knowing what that means for us and regularly keeping those truths in front of us. So again, I know this is simple, but this is the way to gratitude. You first need to know God and who he is, his character, his goodness, his mercy, his love, his plan for salvation, right? And once you believe and once you receive that, you, you know what? You, we, have to, we have to know. We have to know what that means for us, the implications for each of us. Like, it starts there. And a lot of times, that's kind of bare minimum. In, you know, right? Number one and number two, knowing God and who God is, knowing what that means for us, the implications, right, as new creations and sons and daughters. And, but number three, I think is uh, the elusive one, the less practiced one. Um, it's regularly keeping those truths in front of us. Because I think a lot of us that call ourselves Christian, if someone was just to take you like into a room and to like quiz you, do you know who God is? Do you know what he's done for you? And do you know what that means for you? A lot of us would be able to answer. We would know that intellectually. But then if we were to walk the rest of the year, it sometimes might feel like a lot of our life is lived like without really walking in those truths. Wait a second. If you know who God is and what he's done for you and what that means for you, then why aren't we rejoicing always and praying continually? You know what I mean? I think especially in the age of distractions, the age of busyness, right? The age of responsibilities or you name it. We all have like to-do lists and responsibilities and jobs and bills and school and we've got relationships. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Like it's just busy and it's full and we have a lot going on. And so... What's more important, I think, than ever in a lot of ways is actually setting your life up that you have Christian practices that consistently have us communing with God and regularly being reminded, renewed, and transformed by these two top truths. This is what I mean. This is like an example of spiritual practices that promote communion with God. This is why, like, Church is one of them, but that's really important. But here's some spiritual practices. Do I have a slide up here? Reading God's word. Like, not just hearing it from me on a Sunday morning, but actually, like, opening up the word of God. Could be daily. Could be a couple times a week. Like, whatever it is. But just, like, reading the word of God will regularly remind us of who God is and who we are in him. Again, all, it's all going to promote gratitude. Secondly, what does Paul remind us? Pray continually. Prayer is just dialogue with God. It's, it's talking to him. It's speaking with him. It's, it's praying his word. You read God's word, and you just ask God that it would come alive in your own life. That's praying. Worship is, as you all know, so important. It reminds us of who God is and what we should be thankful for, and right this is why we like listen to worship songs in the car or that's why we like one of our favorite parts of Sunday mornings is to corporately worship together because we are declaring who God is and it reminds us of why we're grateful. 
Also, taking communion, partaking in communion, which we have every Sunday. Whatever church you're in, I'm hoping they're, they're, you're taking communion or the bread of the cup or the Eucharist or whatever you want to call it. Because what is it supposed to do? It's supposed to remind us and put our eyes once again on what Jesus did upon the cross for us. Over and over, these are reminders and ways that we can become and, and stay in gratitude. Also, fasting. To, with, to withstand fasting from food or something else. And in light of that time that you would eat or do that thing, you have this extra time now that you're not preparing food or eating food. You have extra time set aside to be with God. To set apart time to be with God. To say no to something, to say yes to God. This is, this is the idea of fasting. Also, solitude and silence. This is also a kind of a lost art, but something that is so needed in a, in a world that you are like busy, busy, busy with input. You know, for so many people, this is huge that they could just sit and dwell upon the truth of who God is and his character. Maybe you can recall your own testimony of what God saved you from, how he redeemed you, how he saved your family, what he's given you, right? That takes just time to be still. Be still and just dwell upon what God's done for you. Dude, this is a big one. Like being in nature. This is like Psalm 95. It's like the psalmist is outside. He's looking at the sea. He's looking at the mountains. And what does he do? He praises God because like look at the creation that God has created. I don't know about you, but that's a huge one for me. Like just getting outside and being in nature recalls who God is and what he's done and how big he is and he's in control. And if he did that, he can do this. And begins to give you a sense of gratitude. Christian fellowship and community is huge for this, that you have other believers in your life to recall the things that God has done. Again, all of these are like, think of it as like fuel to the seeds of gratitude in our hearts. Or they may be guardrails, signposts that keep us in this attitude of gratitude. Because again, what will naturally happen is the flesh, the enemy, the world will want to inject envy, jealousy, discontentment. The grass is greener. I wish I had. I wish I looked differently. I wish I had more. That is what is wanting to be said. But this is the way to remember who God is, who you are in God, and to walk in a deep sense of gratitude. Cannot encourage you more to, 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 to engage with these things. Practice these things. And again, if you notice, it's not, all these are not supposed to be meant for two hours on a Sunday morning. These are actually mostly supposed to be outside of Sunday. Sunday we also will do some of them. But this is supposed to be like the way of the Christian. Like it's just supposed to be part of life. I read the Bible. I pray. I'm in Christian community. Like, I, I dwell upon the things of God. Like, I'm in nature reflecting on God's grandeur. You know, like, this is supposed to be, like, just a normal part of Christianity. But my hope and my prayer is, is that uh, maybe this new year, maybe you have a little bit more extra time. Probably not because it's full. But you got to fight for this. You got to fight for this. We always have to fight for this regardless of the time of the year. But my encouragement is that church, Reality Honolulu, we would endeavor to practice these things. And my prayer is, is that you would meet and hear from Jesus in these things as you do them. 
and it would continue to grow the seeds of gratitude in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I'm, I'm first to admit, I think we all probably would be that we want to be a more grateful people. I mean, I mean, we'd be silly to think, like, we're in Hawaii right now. Like, that alone, we're grateful for. I mean, there is endless things that you've given us to be grateful for. But God, we want to be a people that, um, even if life's not good and we're not in Hawaii or, like, things aren't going well, we want to be a people that practice and walk in gratitude in all circumstances. We want to be a people that value you above anything that can happen in this world because the truth is, Lord, this life is a vapor. It's a mist. This is not our home. Eternity is our home with you. This is temporary. Help us to have a greater eternal mindset when it comes to gratitude. The things of the kingdom, the things of our Father. God, in this time of worship now, in these next few songs of musical worship, and as we have communion, and as we have, we have space to pray for one another and respond to your word, we pray that you would flood our hearts and minds with your character and your goodness and your attributes and all of the things that we should be grateful for. And I pray that we would worship you now in spirit and in truth, from a place of gratitude and thanksgiving. You are worthy. You are worthy to be praised. We love you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.